Welcome to the Smut and Spice podcast, where we're living vicariously through the female main characters in reverse harems, dark romances, paranormal romances, and bully romances. We're your hosts, Sam and Ashley. In this week's episode, we'll be interviewing author Catherine Moon. Her works include Baby and the Late Night Howlers, Lola and the Millionaires, Soul and Loon, A Lady of Rooksgrave Manor, and the Librarian's Coven series. And we would be here all day if I listed all of her work. <laughs> be warned this episode may contain spoilers and explicit content that is inappropriate for those under 18 this show is not for children welcome Catherine. thank you so much for joining us today hello thank you so much for having me you are like a celebrity on our podcast because every single author we've had on is a huge fangirl of you oh my god oh this is like we're so excited to have you on with us today thank you so much <laughs> uh, we know that this is a really busy time for you since Bad Alpha just released. Was it yesterday or the day before? What day? It was, <laughs> it's Saturday. It was yesterday. Unless you're in the well, future, then it was Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those lucky Australians. Uh, but Ash and I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but we're really excited to get started with it very soon. Yay. I'm excited for you. It's a trip. It's definitely like different than my usual sweepers yeah that's what all the reviews have been saying and it makes me so intrigued to learn about this like other side of you (laughs) i know i am i am multifaceted in my weird worlds and moods that i can write books in (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm i've heard rumors that there might be a pegging scene so that definitely intrigued me there's definitely a pegging scene (laughs) there's a lot of like yeah femme dom and i was like really excited to inspire ladies to do some weird stuff to their husbands not weird very exciting new and interesting things yes, to their husbands yes. trying new things with lube. with lube you know what 2021 is the year of peg men i'm all here for I it love let's it. do it perfect sarah i feel like is really gonna be excited about this book oh sarah's gonna be 100 percent into it let's just jump into questions because we have a lot i think ash said this is our the most fan questions we've ever received so we want to make sure we get to those as well as our questions i will start us off uh, Rook's Grave was very well received. I saw people blowing up over it on Facebook and on TikTok. Yeah. Do you see yourself exploring more monster romances in the future? Absolutely. Um, I love monster romances, and I'm a major alien romance nerd as well. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I, yes, I have like so many monster ideas, and then it's just a matter of figuring out what I can get away with on Amazon <laughs> since like Luxury did get sort of booted temporarily and everything um, mm-hmm. or how to go about writing what I want to write outside of outside of Amazon um, but yes monsters are like a big love of mine in romance I love like the otherness and the uh, the like culture shock sometimes too that comes with like the, the wooing a monster or being wooed by a monster I love it. We're uh, planning a monster episode for not next week, but the week after. So we're definitely going to be diving more into the world of monsters. Are there any like monster books that really speak to you that you love? I absolutely love um, Finley Fenn's The Orc Sworn series. So that's just like, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's delicious. Uh, And I haven't started the Tiffany Roberts like uh, Spider Alien, but that is on my list. Oh, Ash, we have to do that one for that episode. I, I that. have started reading it, and I also Ooh. started reading, um, uh, what's it? It's Weaving, is it Weaving? I read too many, like, books that have, like, similar titles. But it's another <laughs> It's another spider one that I actually, like, really liked. Yeah, I really like Tiffany Roberts, um, so I'm excited to try that series. I didn't know that it, it's her and her husband that write the books together, which I think is so amazing. They are some of my favorite people, especially like in the book world on TikTok. They're so cute. Oh, I'll have to look them up. 
That is such an interesting dynamic. I don't think I've ever heard of that in the romance world before. They did a video where they showed um, how they write, too, and it's like they each have their own screen, and then there's a screen, like a shared screen above them, and it just seems wild to me. That's so <laughs> interesting. Yeah. We, oh my we might have to have them on the show. Yeah. I, absolutely. I, I need to read their books first, though. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Oh, right. Uh, so I guess why reverse harem? Obviously, we do. We pretty much all of the authors we've interviewed. Yeah, every single author we've interviewed so far is a reverse harem author. But I want to know, like, what appeals to you about this romance subgenre? Why did you chose choose to go this route? So the immediate like a dynamic that was attractive to me with reverse harem was like the polyamorous angle where it's not mm-hmm. just all the male attention directed towards the FMC, but that sort of group support and intimacy feeling. Um, I didn't realize when I first got in that MM in RH was still kind of not frowned upon, but it wasn't like people weren't expecting it necessarily. And uh, so my first RH book, like the first sex scene was an MM sex scene. (laughs) I did not follow the rule book. (laughs) I didn't know what was going on. Um, And then like the less elegant reason for why I love RH is just that I have a lot of sexy imaginary men in my head. And so being Mm -hmm. able to put more than one of them in a story at a time is just good housekeeping, basically. (laughs) I saw, Ash, I meant to send this to you, but I forgot. There was a TikTok by one of my uh, favorite creators who's completely outside of book talk. She's she's actually a middle school teacher or high school teacher. I can't remember which. But she was having this like sidebar, sidebar conversation where she was like, I think I found the perfect relationship dynamic. And it's where it's one woman, but she has many different men because men usually need more than one around to really get a full picture of what they can provide for you. So you'll have a man who can really do good things around the house. You have a man who can provide you with that, like, emotional support. And everyone in the comments was like, uh, this is a reverse harem. (laughs) (laughs) You have books for that. I wanted to say, Catherine, I loved, um, I've only read the first um, Librarian's Coven book, but I love that you include a non-binary character in that series. Like, that was the first time I had come across that. Yeah, they, and Bryce really just appeared on the page that way. I was, I didn't, I don't know, that they were one of those characters that, like, I didn't know was going to be in the book. Um, and I sort of stared at it for a minute, and I was like, okay, this one is non-gendered, like, non-binary, and... I don't even know if they're entirely human. We shall see. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I also felt the not entirely human part. (laughs) Yes. Well, Ash also has a non-binary character in her book that her and Sarah have coming out uh, at the end of this month. So I'm sure she connected with that as she was reading. Yes, that's awesome. Suki Williams has, um, I think it's called The Beauty of Corruption. And the main character, it's an R.H., but the main character is non-binary, which I thought was just Ooh. like so cool. That is amazing. Uh, the comment you made about male uh, male not being as well received in reverse harem, Grace McGinty, when we had her on, she said something similar of like she kind of held back from doing that at the beginning when she was writing reverse harems because she felt like it wouldn't be as well received. But then when she started including it because it just felt natural to have it in her books, it she found that her fans were really into it yeah so like is that what you have found as well that like the people who really connect with your series love that you've included that yeah absolutely every once in a while because I just I didn't make like the including MM or not including it like it wasn't part of a math equation it was just like whether or not these characters feel like they want to be doing that um Mm -hmm. so with librarian so I had like a bit of a mix right at the very beginning of of my audience and who was interested in what so every once in a while I get like people who wanted they want me to spell it out or to tell them ahead of time like what's going to be in the book uh but for the most part I think people know that I do write mm and then it tends to pop up in my writing and it's how I like my relationships to kind of function together so it works out 
I had saw that Grace posted something the other day, like that there's definitely more of a trend where, you know, reverse harem is just turning into more just poly relationships. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I am a huge fan of MM, so that's something that, you know, I'm happy to see in the genre. I yeah, still like I, it's really, I'm really happy to see it, like, kind of developing in that direction, too. And there was somebody, right, when Librarian's came, Coven came out, like, on Goodreads, who was like, I want to know why you think you can call this RH. And I was like, well, nobody told me not to. <laughs> so I did. <laughs> and and a lot of people seemed happy. So I so that's why it's there. And I know that a lot of other people are doing it now too. You know? I don't think you can kind of like control a genre. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like you and Grace have very similar writing styles and like that the characters mm-hmm. direct your writing more than your ideas. And I always thought that was so wonderful. Like you have such a deep connection to your characters that you really feel like they are the ones directing the plot more than you are. Yeah, I always have an outline and I usually stick to it. Every once in a while, though, I do hit a point where I get stuck. And it's because I've driven my characters in a direction that doesn't make sense for where they are emotionally. And I have to kind of back up to the point where everything is still working. Um, but they're, you know, the first things that I get from books are usually dialogue and stuff like that. Like I'm getting to know them before I ever start, um, writing anything down. So I'm definitely character driven, I think. Yeah. So kind of building off of that, I was looking over your author bio and I was not surprised, but I saw that you graduated college with a writing degree. And I feel like that isn't as commonplace in the romance genre as it might be in like nonfiction or in like other areas of fiction writing. Do you feel as though like earning a degree in this field helped you find more success than you might have going other avenues? So first I'm going to say, which is like a little bit off topic, topic, but I think part of the reason why you see more writing degrees in nonfiction or literary fiction is because they really discourage genre in programs. Like mm. I was, mm. they, I mean, we had a romance, a published romance author in one of my classes and we pre- like everyone pretended like she didn't write books because they were romance books. <gasps> so I think so that is part of it. I, yeah, I think like maybe romance authors are getting discouraged or they're being told to like pursue a different direction. Um, mm-hmm. And then to answer your actual question, uh, (laughs) of all the skills that I developed in my degree versus the ones that have helped me find success, there's probably only like a 10% overlap. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that the work that I put in in college helps my writing, but I think that being an author is by the majority, like about a lot of other stuff than just how you write, like your tone or your point of view or your sentence structure or even sort story structure um I think it's about finding the genres and tropes that work for you and how you reach out to readers and how you sustain readership so it's like so much about marketing that I think writing skill is great um but it isn't like a guarantee of success and it isn't always necessarily like a tool for success mm-hmm. yeah I, I kind of agree with you there of there's there are definitely aspects of every career that college never prepares you for. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you don't you don't really understand how you're going to find success in it until you're actually living it. And so much of the writing program was focused on short stories. I mean, like you really didn't learn how to write a novel. <laughs> And I had, I took some genre classes in college and I took a fantasy class and a young adult class and they were so focused. The fantasy class was so focused on like how to sell your work. And the young adult class was so focused on like how to start a book, how to like hit the right beats in a book, how to complete it. Like, and then also like how to pitch it to agents and stuff. So, but the, but the core classes, the ones that you were supposed to take those seriously uh were just uh, I don't know what they were (laughs) they were discouraging (laughs) it sounds like that entire experience would have been very discouraging 
Yeah, luckily I have like a lot of spite energy in me. (laughs) (laughs) I feel that in my soul. I'm gonna go make money at this. I'll see you guys later. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of building off of that, what made you decide to self-publish then instead of go a traditional publishing route? Um, I started pursuing a traditional publishing route and I was um, like, it was positive, but it wasn't, it didn't go anywhere. Um, And I felt like I was just never hitting like the right uh, to market trends. Mm -hmm. And I, um, I still feel like that sometimes. Um, I just kind of write the like favorite book idea for myself, like the thing that I'm most interested in. And, uh, so I gave up on writing and I was going to start publishing knitting patterns and I was working at a yarn store and I was writing fan fiction just like for fun because writing makes me happy. And some friends in the fan fiction community were like, Hey, reverse harem is this genre that's expanding. I was writing polyamorous fan fiction. They're like, Mm -hmm. you should just write a book. And I said, no, thank you. And then I like slept on it and had the whole idea for Librarian's Coven and woke up and started writing. <laughs> I love the idea of you were like, no, thank you. Okay, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> it was very like, I was like, no, I'm good. I'm really busy. I've got like a bunch of knitting stuff to take care of. And then the next day I'm like, okay, I'm going to write this book and I'll just publish it and 10 people will read it and it'll be fine. I'll be done. <laughs> and now here you are. Yeah. Yeah. I love that so much that you were just, you know, going to go in a totally different direction. And then we're just like, oh, I'll just give it a try. It's like, well, I guess like it really can't hurt to just like publish the book. Because they also like they at the time I was in college, they really disparaged self-publishing. And they said a lot of things Mm -hmm. that were probably true at that point about like um, the financial, like what the financial burden would be and how it was entirely on you and stuff. So they made it uh-huh. seem very unappealing. Um, but, you know, Kindle Unlimited and um, a lot of the other, like, reading platforms have really changed that for self-publishing and uh, indie authors. So that's awesome. It really is. It's changed the game so much. I've been watching and listening to a lot of discourse about, like, how the dichotomy between traditional publishing and self-publishing has really narrowed Mm -hmm. over the last few years and like you look at the traditional publishing industry and they still try to like hold themselves above self-published authors like talking about quality control and like professional editing and all of this kind of stuff but then you look at some of the books that get published and it's like there's no quality control here. <laughs> like <laughs> you can't, you can't be putting out books purely for the sake of making money that I have no quality to them whatsoever and still try to hold the high ground when we come to a quality control discussion. Yeah. It's, it's really, there's a lot of people working in that industry. So I they, I'm sure they really don't want to hear that. Like, Oh, we don't need them. Like we do need editors and we need artists and, um, many of us would love to have a promotional team like to help us (laughs) okay my last question uh is really two parts but you might combine it depending on your answer if you could be any supernatural creature what would you be and second part what superpower would you like to have i would really for my superpower i would really i'm the one weirdo who really wants to be invisible (laughs) (laughs) like I I just kind of like want to chill out of sight and like relax and nobody can come find me because I'm invisible (laughs) um and then as for a supernatural creature I want to be one with better posture and no joint pain (laughs) I feel this (laughs) I feel like like I'm kind of a morning person, so maybe I don't want to be a vampire, but they do seem to have, like, a really good deal. Although I love food. Gosh. Maybe I'll just be a succubus so I can be horny all the time. (laughs) These are all great options. options. (laughs) 
Oh my gosh. Yeah, the, the not eating is the biggest downfall of being a vampire in my right, opinion. Right, I love garlic. I love it. 100%. That's why I want to be a Grace McGinty vampire, where you can yeah. eat everything, everything you want you to want. And, you, and your weight doesn't change at all. I will That's ask you to vampire. write me into a book so I can be, live forever and write all the books I need to write. <laughs> all right, Ash, you want to jump into your questions? So your Sweet Verse series is extremely popular. Um, did Male Male Omegaverse inspire you to write that series? Um, I actually, I hadn't read any Male Male Omegaverse. I mean, I think I've probably read some in fan fiction, but I hadn't read any of the published. I discovered Omegaverse in fan fiction, and it was kind of like the poly or reverse harem style setup, or it was like MF. And there was just, there was a big consent range in the fan fiction I was reading from like non-con mm-hmm. to like total fluff. So when I was looking for Omegaverse to pick up, I just like wasn't finding that range um, just amongst RH basically. And I was craving it. So I just, I wanted a, a horny book with motorcyclers and knots. And, and so I wrote Baby. <laughs> <laughs> motorcycles and not (laughs) that's all you need in life and i wanted to add that i love your you know just like your spicy scenes in your books and you just have such a knack for writing smut like it's just so good (laughs) i don't know where that comes from and no one who knows me in real life understand like they read my stuff and they're like what you wrote that Yes, I, did. Well, I mean, I've never met you in person, but obviously I feel like, you know, from the way your voice sounds and knowing that you're into knitting and making candles, <laughs> like I would say that I would be surprised if I knew you in real life outside of who you are as an author. Yeah, nobody's like getting my pies and hand knitted socks and it's like, you write about pegging. <laughs> It's always the quiet ones. Always. You got to watch out for them. <laughs> um, so something that Sam and I both really agreed on, um, we love Esther in A Lady of Rooksgrave Manor and how open she is about, you know, her sexual appetite and her sexuality. Um, so what can we expect from In the Company of Fiends? Will the female main character, you know, be that same type of empowered? Yeah. So Hazel... She's very comfortable in her sexuality. Um, she definitely has like an appetite, uh, like Esther does. I think I like different dynamics every time. Um, so she works at the theater that features in Rooksgrave Manor. Um, mm-hmm. So what makes her different is she's she's older and she's very like emotionally jaded. She's had a lot of lovers, but a lot of them were like through the theater. So they've kind of passed through her life. Um, she's had some heartbreaks within the theater. Her like sex is very easy for her, but like emotional connection is harder for her uh, for this book. Um, that makes me so excited. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I feel like I have like a habit of like the first book, especially or maybe this is just like baby and Aster, where, like, the first book's, like, really just kind of, like, fun and silly and fluffy and horny, and then the second book is, like, gonna emotional punch you. <laughs> like, Lola, I was so worried about Lola, because I was like, oh, everyone's just expecting, like, something cute, like Baby was, and I have this totally different story for them. And I liked Baby, but, oh, gosh, I just love Lola so much. Yeah. So I'm hoping I, I get to do that again, so where I just, like, really hook you even more. I'm positive it'll make me cry, so we're all good. That's that's all I'm looking for. You and your crying, Sam. <laughs> who, who was it that messaged us on Instagram and said they pulled a Sam and started sobbing while reading a book? Heather. <laughs> She's amazing. I, I said I want that to be a thing. I want people to say that they pulled a Sam whenever they start sobbing while reading books. I'll make it a thing. And you're a woman of so many talents. I want to know what came first. Was it, it sounds like knitting, 
before writing, but it sounds like you were also writing, you know, fan fiction. And then how did you get into candle making? Like, it sounds like you mentioned pies. Like, I don't know, (laughs) you know, what are your other hobbies? Writing was definitely like my first hobby. Um, I have something hanging on my wall that like I dictated to my mom when I was four. So, and I, I did, I always wrote stories, um, like as soon as we had a computer or in my notebooks. Um, so that was first knitting was second pies were third and candle making actually only happened because for baby in the late night howlers, I thought it would be really cute if I could do a giveaway where I gave away candles that smelled like the guys and I just couldn't find the scents. And I, because I am like a DIY person and I like to figure out new crafts, I was just like, oh yeah, I can, I can just make candles, right? (laughs) And I was, it was really late at night. And so I just like bought all of the supplies on Amazon at once and used up like my entire paycheck for that month, which was very small. (laughs) And I was like, cool, let's make candles. And then, uh, it was really complicated. (laughs) I'm not surprised by that. Yeah. And, and I love, I've always burnt candles. I like burning candles while I write. So I just kept doing it and people kept being interested. And now it's like a whole thing. I mean, it's not a major thing. I really only have my garage. So I, the, the amounts are pretty limited still of what I can make um, or what my dad can make really. Uh, but yeah, it's wild that there's even a demand. Yeah, I actually ordered Sam some of your candles for her birthday, and I remember, like, scrolling through on your website, I was like, oh my gosh, I was like, I need to hurry up and order these now, because uh, so many of the scents were sold out, and I was like, oh my gosh, what if these aren't the good scents? I am obsessed with the uh, Ezra candle. It smells so fucking good. It's so good. good. Yeah. I love that one. That one's got like the honey scent in it that I'm just obsessed with. It makes every yes. candle smell so good. I'm just so obsessed with Ezra. That whole concept is just so unique. Uh, invisible man. I know. Is that why you chose invisibility, Catherine? Oh my gosh. No. I don't think we go around just like letting <laughs> yeah, the push women over benches and peg them or anything. That would be wild. And what can we expect from you in 2022? Do you have anything in the works that you're willing to talk about? Or are you just kind of keeping things under wraps for now? I do have some stuff. I've got Company of Fiends. And then um, I have the next Sweet Verse book, uh, which is up for pre-order now. Um, It's called Faith and the Dead End Devils. And then... This might actually be for 2021. Um, we'll see. But I have, I'm going to write a novella for Esther and her gentlemen um, with their like adventures and scandals in Egypt and some, uh, some information that will tie into the next book. And I'm hoping I will have that out by Christmas this year. Um, and I think I'm actually going to publish it through my website instead of Amazon because I want to write some naughtiness that they would not appreciate. (laughs) Oh, that's so exciting. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to all of that. Um, I would like to fit other books in in 2022, but I think my brain is just going to need like some candy by that point. So I'm just going to play it by ear and see what it wants Mm -hmm. to do most. Mm once I get like those promises done. I mean, I'm sure that whatever you put out, it's going to be amazing. You're a one click author for so many people. So yeah. And then that still feels so new to me, but it's yeah, I'm, I'm really, cause I've been like really focusing on just like finishing things, finishing series or continuing series and stuff. So I'm like, Oh, what happens if I do something new, but Mm -hmm. we'll find out. (laughs) Yeah, your fans will definitely, you know, follow you with whatever you write. I know that Colette is, like, so excited about this interview. (laughs) Oh, yay! She is so sweet. I know I did. I saw who else was, I I was looking at who else you've had. And I was like, those are my friends. 
Yeah, we, I'm trying to think. Our list, we started with Grace, our first author interview. Then we had Willow, Willow Hadley. Um, we had Lix Robinson, Britt Andrews, and Colette was our latest one. And now you, you're our sixth author interview. Awesome. <laughs> That's such a good exciting. group of people. I agree. I think all of our authors that we've interviewed are elite. Oh. And this is the most anticipated question of the podcast. Dream <laughs> harem. Oh my gosh. <sighs> so, okay. I don't know if I could like pick real world men or book men. Oh, it can be a mix of whoever you'd like. Men, women, you know, Like if we're going to be really honest, my dream harem would be like a mechanic, somebody that would cook for me, somebody that would build me a house, <laughs> and somebody that can garden so I can have vegetables. It's very practical. <laughs> As someone who's married to a mechanic, it's very convenient. <laughs> right. My dad is a mechanic, and I'm like, well, you can never die because <laughs> I need you to fix my car. Yeah, no, my I'll say my dad. My food, so... <laughs> Um, but I guess if it were, like, uh, celebrities or just anybody, I would take, like, Cary Grant in his prime, like, or just even, like, the charade era, but mm, then also, mm. like, Tom Hiddleston, and, um, oh, I don't know his name, but he plays the detective on Marcella, and he has the most beautiful hair and beard. None of these are practical. I think I should stick with my practical mechanic. <laughs> I need somebody that can fix stuff for me so I can just keep working. You can you can have a harem that's practical and an impractical harem. No one said there's a limit. Okay, good. <laughs> All right. You want to jump into fan questions, Ash? Absolutely. Our first question is from Gen C, and I believe that this is the only one that I received from Instagram. Um, her question is, were you surprised by the outpouring of love for Lola and the Millionaires? What do you think it is about that duet in particular that makes people go crazy for it? Um, so I was surprised. I suspected that it would do well because like Baby was probably the first time I published a book and it just really like continued to have people talking about it. Um, I feel like most indie authors especially in like the romance community know that you get like two months for your average book before you start mm -hmm. seeing like drop off and baby just like never really had that um but i did not expect that like lola would have a life of her own and people would read lola who had never read baby um and that like it would i mean i didn't know what tiktok was probably or i just didn't understand it but i didn't think it would be like all over tiktok for sure uh, I don't, I mean, I assume that it's like the comforting quality. Everyone tells me it's like their comfort read. And I was so worried. I don't, all I remember is like how worried I was writing it and how I just felt like it was just nonstop, like people staring meaningfully at each other. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, nobody's going to like this book. Uh, it's just so good. <laughs> The, the emotional angst is really what gets me throughout. It's so, like, there's such a deep emotional connection. Yeah, and I think, you know, I do, a lot of the times, I have, like, more external forces, but I don't, I, I need, like, a really good reason for why someone would fight, like, a really nice relationship with someone. And, and mm -hmm. Lola really did have that reason, which is, you know, I don't want to, like, pull the trauma card for every character. Uh I want unique stories and everything, but, but she felt right for that. And I loved telling like a beta story in an Omegaverse and just yeah. like that whole perspective of like what it would be like to be like kind of the extra or like, cause they're always, you know, they're always like the hungry girls or the alpha in the background of like an Omegaverse. And I'm like, man, but what about that girl? Like, doesn't that suck? I really do love your treatment of betas in the Omegaverse that you've written in both Baby and Lola. I feel like you do such a good job of never like pitting women against each other and like that. I feel like it would be so easy to fall into that trap when writing like Omegas and betas, but you'd have such a nice balance and like 
really touching on the hierarchical issues in that world, but never pitting like women against women just for the sake of like cat fights. Yeah, I really, I really don't like that <laughs> just as a person. So that's always kind of, even when I do have like female villains, uh, I, I'm, I try to be very conscious. I mean, I am, I'm very conscious of it and I'm like, try to make sure that it doesn't just feel like it's competition for male attention. All right. So next question is from Monica P and this is from Facebook Ash. Yes. All the rest of these other than Sarah's question. Other than Sarah's. Sarah's is from Uh, a text message. From our group chat. How do you come up with all of your storylines and where do you get your inspiration? Uh, She said all of your books are so unique and different from each other, but they all turn out amazing. Oh, um, gosh, I don't like it's so many different things because sometimes it's honestly like I see something and I mistake it for something else happening and then my brain goes off on like a whole tangent. Um, I have an overactive imagination, so uh, just like shadows or stuff out of the corner of my eye like creates little storylines. Um, yeah. But then other times it's like a really pretty cover and I'm like, ooh, I need a story for that. <laughs> and other times it's just like a craving for what I want to read and I can't find it. So I end up writing it. I, that kind of happened with, uh, that happened with Baby. And, um, and then also like the first book, The Queen's Line in the Inheritance of Hunger trilogy. I just really wanted like a character who had all of the men available for her sexual interests, but she didn't have sexual interests because she was demisexual. So she just like didn't experience sexual interest without emotional connection. I thought it would be fun in the reverse harem situation where it's always so driven by like, oh my God, but they're so hot. (laughs) (laughs) I, I feel like I could just spend a day inside your brain and be completely like overwhelmed the entire time. I can't imagine. You would realize that there are like three new story ideas a day. (laughs) (laughs) And I have to like only pick one a day because otherwise I get very overwhelmed. I would imagine. Our next question is from Lauren C. Which of your characters is most like you and why? Um, I think it would be Z from Command the Moon and then Joanna from Librarian's Coven. Um, they both, well, Joanna like deals with, uh, anxiety and low self-confidence, um, which is something I struggle with. And then Z, I kind of modeled some of like her feelings of alienation from the community she was growing up in off my own. So, um, but I do think that I put like a little bit of myself, whether I want to or not inside of probably everybody (laughs) (laughs) or at least every FMC for sure or main character. And then what are you most proud of in your career? I'm most proud of the fact that I've made, I've like made success for myself writing anything I like. So it doesn't have to just be just Omegaverse or uh, just Paranormal with Witches. Um, I've done sci-fi and high fantasy and I really like to read all kinds of things. So I feel like sometimes you're like encouraged in romance to like pick a lane (laughs) and I didn't. Um, But I feel like what I did end up doing was I write what I like and I attract readers who like what I write and I don't have to worry about what I always like, you know, are they going to, is this matching what I've written before? Like I can kind of just be like, I think you guys are into me. So I'm going to do this next. I think that the, the feel of your writing is just very comforting for your readers. Mm-hmm. So, and that, you know, spans across like whatever it is that you're writing so i mean at least that's what i feel like i appreciate about your books thank you and which book of yours do you wish got more attention it would probably be my sweet pea series um the baker's guide for risky rituals um it is like mf and it's a little bit of a slower burn but it's like a fun paranormal in a small town 
and I really love it. It's an ensemble cast, which I think kind of is out of the norm for romance. So like you get information from all the different characters that are making up the series. And I think uh, that probably puts people off, but I just really love all of the characters. <laughs> so yeah, I think, I think that would be the one that I'm like, okay, try that one. It's different, but like maybe you'll like that one too. And that's been on my TBR for a while, so I'll definitely have to make sure I read that. Yeah. The other, you mentioned the POVs from the ensemble cast. Willow does that in the Cricket series. Oh, I love, love it. it. Cool. Yeah. I like, I just needed information from some of the other characters in the first book. And I was like, I, you know, each book is going to focus on a new couple, but some of these relationships can't just like I want them to be tied up later too so like mm-hmm. um, yeah I just think it's like a very freeing format for me and so maybe it's like a little bit trickier for the reader end of things but it's fun it's fun to try and if your characters were all in the Hunger Games who would win so I feel like the obvious answer is Eve and she probably <laughs> would Um, but the other one that I think is possible if there was like magic in this Hunger Games uh, would be Imogen from Sweet Pea because at the moment (laughs) she is the most heartless and uh, kind of and and probably has the least to lose I feel like if Eve lost the rest of her uh, her pack she might struggle but Imogen doesn't have anybody so she's gonna keep going (laughs) wow I know, that's like a dark <laughs> insight. <laughs> the darkest thing I've ever heard from Catherine ever. <laughs> All right. Uh, Wendy P. would like to know, what was your inspiration for Booker, Mr. Tanner, and Amon's unique anatomy? Oh, uh, it was, you know, fancy sex toys. <laughs> and some, like, naughty monster art and my weird imagination. It's just a whole little mixed bag of things. I mean, why wouldn't you want a stone penis that stays hard for you and moves around? And that seems nice. Yeah. 2021 was like the year of the fancy peen. Love it. Good for us. Absolutely. Uh, And then last question, uh, Sarah, our beloved Sarah, would like to know, would you be an alpha, beta, or omega, and why? So I do have some alpha tendencies. Um, I am bossy. (laughs) And I do really love, like, gift giving is my love language. Like, I love to take care of my friends and give them presents and stuff like that. Um, And then I sleep in a nest that is, like, surrounded almost entirely and I have a lot of bath products and lush products so I feel like I have omega <laughs> tendencies too but I do think I would be a beta because um, I like that bal- balance I like to take care mm-hmm. of myself but also other people and I yeah I try I try to be a balanced person so I've always yeah I feel and I, I've always, like, been reading Omegaverse and, like, thinking about the beta in the situation. So it seems, like, kind of not fair to not give myself, like, fun heats to go through. But but I think it's the truth. <laughs> it's the best of both worlds. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I, I couldn't even imagine being an Omega. <laughs> I know. It seems exhausting. It, it does. does. Yeah. I just feel like reading the Viking Omegaverse series and like to go through a heat like that every single full moon, like that just, I just, that sounds exhausting. Yeah, Lix is really out here putting her Omegas through it. Goddamn. Wait, how often does it happen? Once a month. Oh gosh. It's every full moon. So it's really every four weeks, I should say. So that's the full moon cycle. Yeah, I thought about that and then I was like, no, we should really space it out. We're going to do like... <laughs> every three months that seems reasonable mm. yeah i mean it yeah there, it's it's it, that's very athletic athletic i love that <laughs> adjective for it <laughs> all right uh what have we been reading this week we did take a break last week so this is what i was able to read over the last two weeks um the second book in the bonds that tie series by jay Bree com- came out 
which was called Savage Bonds, and it was amazing. It's so good. Made me cry like four times. I was obsessed with it. <laughs> the cliffhanger that it left me on is killing me. I cannot wait for the next book. Uh, Sarah also finally read the first two books while she was on her vacation, so her and I were discussing the series, and we're both very excited. Um, I also read the final book in the Emerald Lake series by Britt Andrews. I What else did I read? Oh, I purchased The Love Hypothesis, which was the perfect cute and contemporary romance like break from everything that was going on in my life. I was like, I just need to disassociate and read a cute romance. And the love hypothesis was perfect for that. My understanding is that it was based on a uh, Star Wars fan fiction written by Kylo, uh, written about Kylo Ren and Rey, and that the main character, his whole vibe is based off of Kylo Ren in the book, and then his name in the series is actually Adam for Adam Driver. So I just had Adam Driver in my brain the entire time I was reading. So good. Um, I also read Kingdom of the Cursed by Carrie Maniscalco. I enjoyed it a lot more than the first book in the series. The first book in the series, I was like, I felt like it was kind of all over the place. I was confused by the character motivation. Um, And I also felt like the spice was like way overblown on book talk. But this book was way better. I feel like she did a good job of like clarifying a lot of things that happened in book one. And then there was actually some spice. So... (laughs) much much better i am two-thirds of the way through the evelyn maynard trilogy and i'm really enjoying it i think i described it to you ash as a mix of the bonds at tie and kid davenport and it is just it's so good i'm gonna race through that probably tonight and finish the trilogy that has to be so good because i freaking love kid davenport so much (laughs) i feel like that's the most underrated tate james series so underrated all right. So this was like the week of the arcs or the two weeks of arcs for me. Um, so I read an arc of frenzy from Grace McGinty and that was amazing. 10 out of 10 Omegaverse goodness. And Dom is just, I love him. He's a little crazy, but that like, oh, that switch that he's got going on is so good. <laughs> I read the St. Clary's University series, which is pretty good, um, but I did not like the ending. I wanted more of, like, the actual treasure hunting aspect, and, like, if you have read it, you kind of probably understand what I mean. Um, I read The Architect, because Sarah kept pushing me to read it. It's BDSM, and the female main character is a vet tech like me. Um, so I loved it. I will recommend it to all of my vet tech friends. If you're at all interested in BDSM, I feel like it's represented really well in that book. Um, I had an arc of Not My Type by Evie Mitchell. It was amazing. The female main character is a sexologist. Um, she is in a wheelchair and she has a podcast. The male main character is a rigger that helps with accessible shibari and just the tension and the steam between the two of them. It Oh my gosh, it's so hot. Definitely give it a read. It's part of her all access series that focuses on, um, you know, people with various um, physical disabilities. And it's just it's amazing. I love her writing. I had an arc of In Her Thrall by Chloe Parker. And if you liked A Lady of Rooksgrave Manor and you want more monstery or paranormal romances pick that book up um when it releases it has great male male action and i'm hoping that chloe makes it a series so read it and make it get popular so it you know she'll want to write another book (laughs) and i'm also beta reading silver bullet for colette and i have almost cried several times bullet is hilarious and riot is still just as precious as ever with grace And I'm also reading Dark House by Karina Hale, which has been on my TBR for forever. It's like, it's a super long series. Um, And it is currently free to download on Amazon. So if you're looking for something spooky, definitely pick that up. But it's got spooky vibes and Perry is so easy to identify with. So it's very good so far. And I plan to read Bad Alpha this week once I finish up what I'm currently working on. Yes. yes same i have bad alpha to read after i finish evelyn maynard so i'm very excited for that yay i hope you guys like it i'm, I'm sure that we will. will uh catherine what have you been reading so my last finished read was merciless 
by Crystal Ash. It was like the finale of her Steel Demons, Steel Demons. Um, motorcycle crew series, which was just like held my heart for two years mm-hmm. and then also <laughs> like led me to stalking Crystal and becoming friends with her. Um, <laughs> and then now I just got myself a nice deck of books to celebrate Bad Alpha coming out. So I have The Last Graduate by Naomi Novik, which I'm really excited to read. I love Neon God so much. I'm so excited for you to read it. I knew Robert. Yeah, she's awesome. She's sweet. Her her ability to write like A plus spice is just out of this world. I read Your Dad Will Do recently because it like I needed something quick and short, and it was delicious mm-hmm. and scandalous, and I was so into it. That's what Sarah <laughs> said too. <laughs> yeah, Sarah read that one and loved it. All right, so Catherine, promo time. We know that Bad Alpha just came out. What else would you like to plug and tell us about? Um, Yeah, so Bad Alpha came out, um, and I'm going to be having, uh, like, a Bad Alpha paperback and swag pack up on my website soon, and the candle set for all the characters will be up on my website soon. Um, So you can check out my link tree, and all of that will be in there. And then if you keep in touch, I will have a new addition to the Tempting Monsters series. Um, I'm going to write that novella for Esther. I think it's going to be called Adventurous and Scandalous. And in the spring, I will have The Company of Fiends coming out. So, so exciting. exciting. Yes. Mo- Catherine's Moon Gazers on Facebook because I think that's that's probably like the place I am most active and you get like the quickest updates from me perfect uh, I will put Catherine's link tree in the episode description so you can check out her website and all of her links there thank you all right Catherine thank you so much for joining us we've been trying to make sure that we had a scheduled time for you for ages we were so excited to get you on here i really appreciate you taking time to talk with us i was i'm so excited to be here and i love this podcast and you guys are great and thank you again (laughs) i still can't believe that this happened like i'm just like smiling so much thank you for listening to this week's episode of smut and spice Please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We will be taking a week off next week for our Girls Beach Getaway Weekend, but we will be back the following week with our monster episode for Halloween. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Pod. We'd love it if you would share our podcast with friends and on social media. If you have any book recommendations, send them our way. If you're an author who's interested in appearing on an episode, reach out. We would love to have you. A special thanks to our technical producer, Andrew, and to our graphic designer, Lainey, for our amazing logo. The intro and outro music featured on Smut and Spice is District 4 by Kevin McLeod. The link and licensing information can be found in the episode description. Thank you so much for listening.